is episode 41 of Behind the Mic. Hope you're having a great week, wherever you're listening to. I know a lot of people listen through the iPhone. We get all kinds of statistics. For some reason, over, I think, 65 to 70% of a couple of podcasts that I've studied that I've been involved in listen through the iPhone and on iTunes and also Anchor, which is our provider, does a great job, too. We have people listening to that. If you're listening on Spotify, Google, let me know. I'd like to know what device you're listening through and how. Send me a message on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Email, though, is easy. I, I have so many email addresses. Why don't you send it to antonellis.michael at gmail.com or I'll give you the second one, my work one, mantonellis at pawsocks.com. People are hesitant to give out their work email. Why? I don't I don't care. If, uh, if I don't like you, I won't respond. Different format this week. I've had many people ask me, and it's interesting. I've, I've gotten this a few times. They said, you know what? Why don't you go a week without a guest? We want to hear some of your thoughts. And I've traditionally really like having guests, and I've got about three or four books in the next couple of weeks that I really would. But So I'm really looking forward to having some of those guests coming on. But I wanted to, to share some thoughts today. I really like aging. I know that sounds weird. I love where I am right now, I think, internally and how I feel. And I, I believe that we all hit that at a certain part of our life. Maybe people do in their 20s. But I think when you get older, you have a lot more perspective because you are getting older. Uh, things in life matter to you a lot more. The little things matter to you. And that's going to be part of what I talk about today. And and, and not having baseball right now has really opened my eyes with certain things and, and feelings that I've had. But now I've gotten a chance to, to do some things that I haven't been able to do. And it does make you see things a little bit clearer. But I, I do feel like secure is a, is one of the best gifts to have. If you're right now battling through some internal insecurity and you're not feeling great about yourself, we all go through that. But once you get to that point where you're you're so confident and you're happy and you just love being around people and the little things don't annoy you, it's going to open up, I feel like, a better world for you. I know I'm preaching a lot, but... I do feel that it's not just what was going on with George Floyd and people being angry. And everyone, of course, has a right to be. But I've kind of felt before that, that we are kind of an angry society. I feel like people are more insecure now than they ever have been. We don't love great players anymore in sports. I've said this many times. And after watching the Michael Jordan documentary, I finished it. There's no way people would have liked Michael Jordan now. The things he did, the things he said were way worse than some of the things that LeBron James has done. But I don't know why we're, we're, we're kind of like that nowadays. I, it, it's weird to me. Um, sports is no fun if you don't have great players. I mean, you want to have great players. And a lot of it's exaggerated. The media is exaggerated. I, I do like social media, but man, oh man, when I go on Twitter every day, it's, it's, it's really becoming a cesspool and it's too bad. Uh, people fighting through typing words, grown men, instead of meeting face to face. I mean, that's that's not a society I want to live in. I want to be able to talk things out, and you can't really. And and I, and that's one thing I, it's been bothering me lately too is that we can't have discussions anymore about anything. It, it used to be religion and politics, and now it's becoming anything. If you have a different opinion of anybody, you get trashed. And I don't understand that. I don't, I don't know why 
we can't listen anymore. And that it's a big problem with everything. And the Colin Kaepernick thing, yeah, this is something I haven't spoke out. It just, I was for Colin Kaepernick before four years ago, and I didn't say anything because I did not want to get mocked by people. I, I did say it to my family. My mom and I disagreed with my dad, and we had a very healthy argument about it. But I feel bad that I did not say anything about that before. I did stick by him because he, he used a platform to get attention. He knew with everyone watching that it would open some eyes. And not many athletes, not many people at that level are willing to stick their neck out. That's what leaders do. Leaders say things that are unpopular. All leaders. no one, And we don't like leaders for some reason. That's why I don't think we have a lot of them because... They don't want to stand up. And I consider myself a leader, and I don't feel bad saying that. And I know there'll be people listening saying, oh, you think you're holier than now? Well, I'm, I'm a confident person, and I have held back a lot of some of my feelings and disagreements with people because you can't say anything anymore. And the Kaepernick thing really bothered me because of the bandwagon afterwards and seeing the amount of people that hopped on that bandwagon to see Roger Goodell apologize because of what happened to George Floyd. Let's not react that way. Let's not react because something tragic happened and then say, oh, you're right, by the way. Uh, Colin Kaepernick was trying to warn us four years ago when we ignored it for some reason because we felt a football game, the anthem at a football game at a sport, meant more than human life. And I don't get that anymore. That, that puzzles me. And I want to bring up one thing about the anthem in 23 years of calling baseball games during every single pregame show I've done and we're going on over 3,500 of them I have never played the anthem live on the radio I have never once in 23 years had anyone say anything to me about it you could make a joke and say well maybe no one's listening you would think in the 23 years that one person would have said something not one person has ever said anything so I know I'm digressing a lot before, but it's just something that I want to get out there because it. I don't like to see the bandwagons and people reacting after something happened. That's not how we fix things. You should want to fix something before it gets worse. And I feel like we're doing that a lot with some things right now, and it bothers me because I, I just don't think we should do that. But I, it, it leads me into talking things out and baseball's back. I think we should be happy. I, I see people aren't happy that they're only playing 60 games, but baseball's back. So we should be happy for that. But what's really bothered me about this whole situation is just the overwhelming amount of just the same answers and same reactions from everybody. And it goes back to what I talked about, about being a leader. I don't think we're leaders anymore. We're, so, we're followers. And I'll tell you what, it is very hard to be different. And I don't think it's different. I have feelings that are my own feelings and I say them and you get the cross-eyed. You people get look at you and think that you're better than them. But I would rather be alone in my thoughts than to follow everyone else. And I'm not saying I'm being a contrarian, but I just find it interesting that a topic comes up and everybody has the same reaction to it. The owners and players fighting, which is, is so immature, first of all, to see people arguing about this on Twitter and social media about it. I mean, it's a game for crying out loud. I mean, and just, but everybody had the same 
take. Oh, owners are billionaires. Okay. And, 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 and players have money too. I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong, but we couldn't have an adult conversation about this and, and point out certain things. Do players have the risk that owners have? When an owner gives out a $300 million contract and that player performs maybe $5 million of that and then the, the owner has to assume the rest of it, who has more of the risk? Once a player signs a big deal, the risk is on the ownership group. You know how many times I've heard people ripping ownership group? Oh, they shouldn't have spent that money on that. You can't do that then anymore. Now, were the owners right with some of these negotiations? No. But I think it was equally on both sides. It could be some blame putting on both sides. But there's this whole thing nowadays where just because somebody has money means that they have to give it up. Oh, oh they're just they're, owners are just rich, spoiled billionaires. And you know that for a fact. How? We just we we speak so half cocked now and we and we speak without any facts, without making an intelligent conversation. You know, I, I heard this national talk show host ripping Arthur Blank about two years ago. And I didn't know anything about Arthur Blank. I went to Atlanta in October. Arthur Blank is a self made millionaire, so should he suffer for that? Should he be chastised? He worked his ass off to get where he was. Arthur Blank worked at a hardware store in high school. And at 16 and 17 years old, he was so defiant to his boss at, he, at this hardware store he worked at, he said, you know what, I can run this better than you. Imagine that, a 17-year-old kid. And they told us this during the tour. I, I went to Atlanta Falcon Stadium, and, and I heard the tour of this in, in the conversation. This guy had the, the balls to say, I'm leaving, I'm doing my own thing at 17 years old. And he started a company called Home Depot. And he put his sweat, blood, and tears into that and his passion into that. And he built himself into a billionaire. That is the American dream. I'll never be a billionaire, but why do we chastise all of them? Mark Cuban invented online broadcasting. Mark Cuban moved to Dallas from Pittsburgh, lived with seven to eight people because he pursued a dream. He wanted to listen to his Pirates, his Steelers, his Penguins in Texas, but he couldn't get the radio station. So he invented Broadcast.com, sold it to Yahoo for billions. That took a lot of work. That took a lot of risk. Why do we chastise all of these owners? Are some of them awful? Of course. Yeah, there's no doubt. There is no doubt that some of them are in it just for the money. But all the... The, the soap opera stuff and that, oh, the, the owners, are, they don't care and all. Just that whole situation, the way it was talked about on social media, is a microcosm of how we are now. I mean, it, it's, an, it's, an, it's, an, it's unbelievable on a day-to-day -day basis that, you know, I feel like I can't say anything. I feel like a lot of people feel like they can't anymore. But we can have intelligent conversations. Now, I understand a lot of this is off social media. But I'm hearing it now everywhere, and I think people regurgitate a lot of things they hear, the sports radio, and it's, it's just, it makes me lose a lot of interest in all of it, too. I'll be honest with you. Just listening to the same, I mean, I, I, I'm going to start writing down what people say about a certain controversial topic, and it's the same, same take over and over and over again. You know, maybe the players and the owners should have looked at what was going on in the country right now where people are dying, and, and we all want to just pass on that, but it's a pandemic.
and and trust me when I say this, there is no political party in the world that would want to shut down the economy. So I think that there was a lot of things behind the scenes about this virus that we didn't know that they were getting information on that that made them do this. And and maybe it would have been a nice thing to put the gloves down both sides and said, you know what, let's just suck it up for this year. Let's find a way to play because it felt like the, the right thing to do. But again, I'm not in their situation. I'm just saying how I am as a person, the values I was raised with. But I I get that in that situation, players were told something and, and it was contingent on, on them having fans and then they, and the owners went back and, and were blaming Manfred who can only do so much. And I, I get people's frustrations too, but I just think that we should be able to talk about these things with a little more intelligence. And and we haven't. And and I don't get into these discussions with anyone. People ask me about it and I just ignore it because it just turns into this hatred towards one side. And that's how we are. We we don't see things in the middle anymore. We we are black and white with everything. And it's it's disappointing. So people have asked me this question a lot about not working right now. And I will honestly say that I've I've enjoyed having this time off. I know that sounds strange. Uh, I don't miss the season. I miss baseball. And I know that will probably be controversial to some people. Uh, the, the baseball season is a lot. I do love it. But it can take a toll on you. And the biggest reason why is just not seeing family. You know, I, I can give up having a social life and, and not being able to do as much going out. That doesn't bother me. But this time that I've had, I have spent more time with my dad playing golf than I probably have in my entire life. My dad and I have played golf almost 10 times already. I don't think I've played 10 times with him the last few years. Now, I certainly could have after our season, but it just never really worked out. And I'm spending more time with my mom and dad. My mom and dad are in their 70s. And I love this quote about time. You can't get time back. And I don't want someday to think, oh boy, I wish I had spent more time with my mom and dad. And I have the opportunity to do it right now. And I am. And I advise everyone to do that. You shouldn't lose something to realize how much you miss it. That's another thing. It takes us to lose things. It takes a giant tragedy for us to go, oh, geez, I never realized what I have. I realize what I have. I have two amazing parents, a sister, two amazing nieces, and the baseball season has taken me away from that, and that that bothers me, and I think that's normal to be like that. Some some are going to say, geez, you have a job you love. Aren't you lucky? Of course, but that doesn't mean I'm not human and that I can't miss family. Family, no job overrides family. I don't care who you are, and people who value their work over family, you're crazy, and you shouldn't work anymore. And you're going to be lonely for the rest of your life. Maybe you don't have a great family situation. But if you do have some family that you love and you still put your work ahead of that, that's nuts. Because you'll be a very lonely person down the road. And it takes, sometimes it takes people a while to realize that. I realized that years ago. Uh, I had many times on bus trips in uh, missing nieces' birthdays and missing uh, parents' birthdays. My dad and I actually have the same birthday, not being with him on Father's Day, my mom on Mother's Day. We have so many July and August birthdays. That's hard. 
no job is going to make me say, oh, well, I'm calling baseball, so who cares that I'm not with my dad or my nieces? That, that, that would be, to me, I look at that as weird if I felt that way. But some don't, and I, and I just disagree with that. So this time, I, and I'm still connected with baseball. I'm working on a podcast with the Paw Sox. I'm working on this podcast. I'm working at the stadium right now. I am staying in the baseball end of it. But in terms of the daily grind of the season – I have not missed that because it's enabled me to spend more time with people that I love. And my dad is 75 and he's the best man I know. I can't think of a better person, a role model in my life than my dad. There's no one comes close to him in the values and the way that he treats my mom. He's still, my mom is everything to him still, everything. He, he loves my mom like he did when he was in his 20s and his values the way he raised me to love everybody. I remember this conversation. I kept pestering my dad when I was really young about racism. And I kept saying to him, well, I don't understand why don't people like black people? And I said, they're not black, they're brown. I kept saying that over and over. And and I don't think my dad wanted to tell me that there were other issues why white people or, or whatever, or what side didn't like who. He just said, well, people just don't like somebody that they looks different. But I was too young to, for him to get into those other discussions. But he had those discussions with me very young. And that's where it comes from. Racism comes from your upbringing. And I, my dad never, I mean, I knew right off the bat. I mean, I've always was very outgoing. My sister and I, we, we loved everybody but my dad really built that foundation and we still have these conversations to this day. And I look back at so many things he did for me, but the best thing he did is he's such a good person and he instilled these values in me. Somebody's lights are on in, in, in a parking lot. He would open the door and he can't do this now, but he would open the door and shut them off because he didn't want that person getting out of the grocery store and their battery died. He would do anything for anybody. If I asked my dad to do something for a coworker, he would do it. This quick story. I had a, a coworker ask about golf clubs and I told my dad, do you have any extras? And he said, yeah, I have these really nice golf clubs. They're worth a lot, but if it's for your friend, I'll give him the bag and the clubs for $75, probably worth 300. But he does that because he cares about people. And I'm so lucky that I was raised that way. And now that I'm my age, I've realized how many things my dad did for me that has shaped me into the person I am. But I will say that, you know, lately I do feel alone in a lot of my thoughts that you can't speak your mind, that a lot of people around you are, are insecure, uh, talk bad about people a lot. You know, that's one thing I'm known. And I, I just can't stand it. I can't stand drama, gossip, uh, I don't like it in the workplace. It's always been my thing. I just, I can't do it. You know, I just want everyone to get along and they should. And all of that other crap that goes on with it doesn't get you anywhere. And, you know, all my podcasts, I think, have arcs. And I just think the big picture, and I've, I've said this for years, we don't have enough leaders. And And listen, I'm guilty of maybe not stepping up and speaking out more about certain things. And I'm going to do that now. I think I would be a, a really good leader of something. I don't know what that is because I have compassion 
and caring for other people too. So I think that what we're going through in all of our lives right now is good. We need adversity. We need a kick in the butt. We need a wake-up call. And I hope we all get that. And I want the next generation to raise their kids the right way. Kids don't come out of the womb hating. Teach them love. Love them. Find love for them somehow. If, if you're a parent and you're having a hard time, well, find an uncle and aunt that can get there and, and get with kids. So I've always, you know, I, I've always been very opinionated and spoke my mind, but lately I've not, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been silent on some things and I, and I don't want to do that anymore because I have a lot of thoughts that I want to get out there and, and hopefully you're enjoying this. If you're not, that's fine. Let's have discussions Let's not argue constantly and and yell and scream. It, it's just, it's exhausting to listen to and it gets us nowhere. It really does. It, it the fighting and screaming, it, it just, and the, and the, the trolling on Twitter and all that doesn't get you this sh- anywhere. Be a man. All right. For all the men out there, don't type something, say it, video record it on Twitter. Call somebody. Tell them to your face. Hey, I don't agree with what you're saying. Let's let's have an intelligent conversation. It's one thing, and I want to go back to Colin Kaepernick. I don't know why that never happened, that Colin Kaepernick, Roger Goodell, they couldn't have met and said, hey, listen, Colin, I don't like what you're doing with the anthem, but let's talk about it. What can we do to be better instead of being bandwagons like we are now and reacting to a situation? Because I don't want to see another George Floyd, and it shouldn't take eight or nine of these incidents for people to wake up and realize that that's a problem. It's been a problem for a while. So be proactive. I, I want to also say how proud I am to be part of the Pawtucket Red Sox right now. And, and again, the, the hot button will be adversity. Minor league baseball teams are faced with a, a really a bad situation. No baseball. They don't have TV revenue. They make money on tickets. They make money on concessions. There was not one time, and I can't remember this, we meet every Tuesday, and I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Our meetings every Tuesday with Larry Lacchino and Dr. Charles Steinberg, who run those meetings, and Dan Ray, and so many great people in the organization, Rob Crane, they're the main speakers. Nothing but positive. Nothing. How, what can we do, though, now? We floated so many ideas. Dr. Charles, uh, Larry Lucchino formed the, the Dining on the Diamond, which has become a mega success. And as I speak to you on this day, June 26, 2020, we have close to 2,000 tables on a waiting list for this. But what was such a great lesson from being in this organization and seeing this idea was that instead of wallowing in the mire and saying, oh, poor us, we're, we're losing millions and millions, and they're not going to make all this money back, of course. Pro- I don't, they probably won't make a tenth of it back. I don't know. I don't know all the numbers. But the fact is that they, instead of putting their tail between their legs, they came up with something first. And it's been copied now. And they kind of revolutionized something. The Dining on the Diamond has got national attention. And it's probably going to be something that the organization does a lot going forward. And I'm so proud of that. It's such a great lesson for everyone involved that instead of just saying, ah, screw it, what a crappy year, they said, no, we're going to find a way. 
we're going to battle. And they did. And they've turned this into success. And I've been uh, a really proud of that, proud member of that organization right now. And, and uh, again, coming up with an idea, which I'm, I'm sure some people thought was crazy, they didn't care. And that's what leaders do. And it's turned into a success. I'd love to, to hear your feedback on this. I know I'm going to get some negative comments, which is fine. That's the world we live in. I don't care anymore. I'll embrace it. Antonellis.michael at gmail.com. Hit me up on all our social media channels. The next episode, by the way, is 42. I have some good things planned for episode 42. Peace and love. I'll talk.